I grew up in the church. From the time I was born, I was what you would call a child of the church. In the old Rio Grande Conference where I was a member of for many years, I would have been un hijo de la conferencia, a child of the church, a child of the conference. And I, I say that to share with you the fact, the reality that I have been impacted, influenced, and shaped by so many saints of the church. Some of them here in this building right now who continue to impact me, influence me, and shape me. Now, that's not to say that I didn't try to, to avoid that impact or that influence or that shaping. In fact, there are many, many times when I've tried to, to run away from the church, even while in ministry, right? I've tried to go in my own direction. But regardless of what road, what highway, what byway, what alleyway I've traveled on, somehow, some way, God has used a saint of the church to bring me back home. And for that, I am so grateful. I am so thankful for the saints of the church. One such member was a lady by the name of Aurelia McGee. You remember Aurelia? Aurelia was a pianist at, at Asbury. And she was a pianist for over 50 years. And she'd get up and get on that platform each and every Sunday and would lead the church in, in the church's music. And by the time I got to Asbury, Aurelia was over well into her 80s, late 80s, still getting up every Sunday, rarely missing was there. And even as we began to make changes at Asbury in the worship service, I remember her asking me, does this mean you're going to fire me? I said, absolutely not. I am not about to get to heaven and get scolded for firing you. You're going to play here as long as you want to play, and we'll, we'll blend the service and we did. We had a blended service. We, we played a couple of hymns, sang a couple of hymns each Sunday, and then we had the praise and worship music. And so it was a blended service, primarily so that Aurelia could continue serving God in the way that she was most faithful. Even when she got older, past her 80s, into her 90s, and couldn't navigate the stairs to get up on top, we moved the piano down to the floor. And she played until she couldn't play anymore. But Aurelia had a love for God. She had a love for God's people. And she just impacted you. Even when she couldn't come to church anymore, we have a recording of her reading the Scripture from her home and then playing it and using it in Sunday service. That was the impact that she had, the influence and the shaping that she did 
And I remember when Aurelia got to the end of her life, I went to go visit her at the hospital. And as we sat there with her family, Aurelia looked at me and, and said, now, Robert, I want you to, to take a good look. And I want you to say your goodbyes right now. Although I'll see you again someday, I'm going home. I'm going home to be with Jesus. And I am so ready for that. It's been a good life. But I'm looking forward to a great eternity. So we hugged and I laughed and we cried and we prayed and, and said goodbye. She was well into her 90s by then. And so the next morning, I got up and went to the hospital expecting to, to see the family making preparations for what was next. And as I walk in, Aurelia's sitting up in her bed and she looked at me, and in all sincerity, she said, why am I still here? <laughs> I was ready to go last night. Why am I still here? I don't know, Aurelia, but you are. She says, I'm so mad at you. I said, why are you mad at me? She says, because you represent God here on earth. I'm mad at you. Why can't you let me go? I said, you can go. Go. And she did that night. A little bit late, but she went home. But here's the point of this story. Aurelia had a faith that was living, that was real. And Aurelia believed with all her heart and soul that when this life came to an end here on earth, she would enter into something new. She would step into and become a member of the church triumphant. And she would experience the presence of God in a way that she had never experienced in her lifetime here on earth. She would experience God in a place where there was no more pain. There was no more sickness. In fact, where there was no more death. The mourning would be past. And she would come to know and see God for who God truly is. She would look upon the face of God and see God face to face. My friends, that is our eternal hope, right? As believers, as followers in Jesus Christ, there is no doubt in my mind that one day each and every one of us will stand in the presence of the great I am. We'll stand in the presence of the God of all creation.
And as contemporary recording artist Marcos Vidal, who is Spaniard, would sing, see God cara a cara, face to face. And Vidal sings and says that when I come into that moment, just allow me a few moments to stare at you and to see you for who you are. It doesn't matter where you sit me at the table. It doesn't matter if I receive any crowns. Just allow me to see you face to face. Let there be no interruptions, no words. Just allow me to stand or kneel or fall in your presence. And my friends, that is exactly what Aurelia experienced and what so many of our departed saints have experienced already. That glorious presence of the Almighty. That's our hope. That's our motivation. That's what we long for. And one day we'll experience. Amen? Amen. The litany that we read is taken from Revelation 21, which is John's vision of eternity, of what awaits, of where we have our expectation and our hope. One day, one day, we'll all stand before the God of all creation. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. The question is, how will we kneel and how will we bow? Will we kneel and bow in a spirit of joy, knowing that we received, we believed, we accepted the message of Jesus? And now we kneel before our King with joy in our hearts. Or will we kneel and bow in shame because we rejected the message of Jesus? It's up to us. And that's not the point of this message, but I do want you to make you aware of that. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess, and everyone's going to stand before the presence of the Almighty at some point. There's a hope that we have. There's a joy that's permanent that we have in knowing that we will see God for who God is. Hold on to that hope. Carry it with you as you travel the highways and byways of your life or the back alleys. Because it's that hope that carries you through, that lets you know that everything's going to be all right. 
everything's going to be fine. Because God's God. And God's still in control. Now, I could stop right there and say, hallelujah, amen, let's go home. But it's still too early, so i got to keep going. <laughs> Believe me, I do think there's a good chance that we're going to beat the Baptist to Luby's today. So, is Luby still open? I think, I think we'll, we'll get that opportunity. But there's, there's more that I want to add to this story, okay? To this message of redemption, this message of hope. Yes, we have that eternal hope. That eternal expectation that one day we will see God, kara kara, face to face. We'll stand or kneel or, or bow in his presence and know God for who God truly is. Amen. But in the meantime, while there's still breath inside of us, this side of heaven, what do we do? Well, we could sit and panic because it's a horrible world at times. It's a whole beautiful world at times. We could get mixed up in the chaos, in the strife, in the division, in the polarization, in the arguing, in the fighting, in the, and, and all the negative energy that, that's being pushed. Get wrapped up in all of that. But I think God has something greater for us. In fact, I don't think God has something greater for us. I know God has something greater for us. And this congregation has been a part of that greater for a long time. As a church and individually, you have been doing things that reflect the love, the compassion, and the mercy of God for generations. We have people in this church that, that are servants in very powerful ways. One of the greatest things I love about Ginger Brewer here as she leads the Hope Center is not that she provides food and some utility assistance to people. Those are good things. What, what, what really gets me excited when I, when I talk to Ginger, when I've talked to her about some of the things that are happening in the Hope Center are the conversations she has with individuals and the opportunities that you get to pray over. That's when you see her light up. The work that Elizabeth does with adopted children, finding homes and loved ones, creating families. 
And I could go on and on and give example after example about what people in this congregation do to share the love and compassion of Jesus with the world that's hurting. Here's what I want to say. In the meantime, as we wait for God to call us into the church triumphant, let us not be found sitting and waiting doing this. I can do it in reverse. While that's impressive, that's not what we're about. So what are we about? Fighting and arguing over what Paul would call disputable matters? Are we about our Father's business? Look at the words of Jesus. And remember that I mentioned these are the words he shared in Matthew that Matthew shares with us right before the passion narrative, right before he's arrested, right before he's, he's crucified, right before he's resurrected. These are the last things he wanted us to know. Because it's important. Feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty. Clothe the naked. Care for the widow. Care for the prisoner. Visit the sick. Visit the, the prisoner. In other words, what Jesus is telling us in this passage is what's important, my friends, is to share compassion and empathy and kindness and mercy with those who need it. Because when we do it for the least of these, we do it unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. In the meantime. Now maybe you're like my friend Aurelia. And have reached the latter stages of your life. And you don't have the physical ability to continue doing those things. When we were at Asbury, there were just 12 of us gathered in a Sunday school room. They were all in their 80s and 90s, and there I was in my 40s, and I had all this pent-up energy. I don't have it as much anymore, but I, I had all this pent-up energy. I was like, we've got to get out into the neighborhood. We've got to start knocking on doors. We've got to start inviting people. And they looked at me like I was crazy. They said, Pastor, we'd love to do that, but we just, 
We can barely make it here up the stairs. We can't walk the streets with you. We, we can't stand in the heat. We can't, we can't do all these things. And I'm like, gosh. I, I, was, I was frustrated because all I was hearing was that we can't. We can't. And I blurted out, and this is a group of, of, of 80 and 90 Anglo individuals, and I said, I, I'm tired of hearing about all this I can, I can't. I'm not a Mexican, I'm a Mexican. We can. And here's how we're going to do it. Thankfully, by this time, Janet was around. So we started going out into the neighborhoods, and what we had our 80 and 90-year-olds do was drive-bys. Now, don't get worried. I didn't have them with pistolas and everything, shooting up people. We started doing drive-by prayer. As they drove into the neighborhood, as they drove out of the neighborhood, they were to pray over the people in the neighborhood. They were to fertilize the harvest with their prayers. And those were some powerful prayer warriors because doors began to open, doors that were otherwise shut. But because there was somebody praying, Lord, somehow, some way, let us make contact with this family. Let us help this family. Let us be there for this family. Let us get to know this family. Doors started to miraculously open. Because even though they couldn't walk the streets, they couldn't go up the stairs, they couldn't knock on the doors, they could still pray. And Paul says to pray without ceasing continually. And that's what this group of 12 octogenarians began to do. Pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. Bam. He didn't just send a woman named Janet. He sent an energizer bunny named Janet. and many others. My friends, in the meantime, as we wait for our glorious future with our glorious God, there is so much to do. So many lives that need to be impacted, that need to be reached. I'm a child of the church. And the one thing that really tears at me is that we've spent the last 50 years fighting. while people are dying not knowing Jesus. 
People are dying. As we speak, as we gather in this sacred space, on this sacred ground, people are dying not knowing Jesus. And we're spending so much time and energy fighting. God forgive us. Over disputable matters. Happy New Year. Oh, Lord. We have a glorious future. One filled with promise. One filled with hope. One filled with love. In the meantime, let's share that with a world that really needs that message. Everything else will fall out and work out and end up the way it's supposed to, right? God's God. God's in control. And to God be all honor, glory, and praise. Amen.